0: And the people that are not permanent. And the people that are not permanent. And the people that are not permanent. Welcome to the soccer file. Hi, I'm Simon Evans, and welcome back to the soccer file. Returning from our winter break, a little bit longer than originally planned, but uh, I can tell you I've been working on some really interesting projects for the future, which I can't say too much about at the moment, but all I will say is there's going to be some great content on the soccer file in the weeks and months ahead as a result of that work that's been going on over the last few weeks. But a lot to look forward to on the more immediate future. Champions League quarter-finals get underway on Tuesday and Wednesday. We've got CONCACAF action returning again later this month with the quarter-finals there in the CONCACAF Champions League. A lot going on off the field and action, of course, all around the world. And we start off with this episode taking a look at the performance of a team that's close to my heart, Burnley Football Club, enjoying a remarkable year in the Premier League highlighted by Sunday's game at Turf Moor where Burnley came back from a goal down to draw 1-1 with Chelsea. Chelsea, hugely impressive. Didn't have an off day. That was what was most really appealing about the way Burnley uh, dealt with that game was that they got a 1-1 draw against one of the top teams in Europe without that team having a particularly bad day. And the growth of Burnley, really a club that I watched as a kid playing in fourth division football for many years, slowly worked their way back up the ranks. For those of you who who, uh, don't know Burnley well, maybe those of you listening in the United States or elsewhere, Burnley were a club who were huge in the 1960s, uh, English champions in 1960, uh, played in the European Cup, the earlier version of the Champions League, played in the Fairs Cup, which is later the UEFA Cup, and now the Europa League, I suppose. Um, One of the top clubs in England, produced many English internationals, and then really entered decline from the mid-70s onwards, climbing back really only in the last five or six years, twice back in the Premier League, and uh, twice relegated at the first attempt. But this year it's different. Burnley have had a fantastic home record. They've had a really good season. And uh, Chris Borden is a good mate of mine, who's the sports editor and the football writer for the Burnley Express, a local newspaper there. He follows Burnley every single day, So I managed to grab a bit of his time after he watched that game against Antonio Conte's Chelsea. And we talked about that 1-1 draw and what Sean Dyche has done, what Joey Barton's been up to this year. A lot of things to get through. Half an hour with Chris Borden, starting right now. So I'm joined now on the Soccer File by Chris Borden, Sports Editor of the Burnley Express, who's covered uh, Burnley for a number of years, all their ups and downs with the Premier League. Over the last five or six seasons under Owen Coyle and Sean Dyche. And uh, he was at Turf Moor on Sunday for that game between Burnley and Chelsea, which finished 1 1. And a cracking game that I think most of the neutrals watching around the world would have enjoyed as well. Chris, must have been quite an atmosphere at Turf Moor. People seem to be very, very pleased at the end of that game.
1: Yeah, it's, I think you'll probably know from experience that I Turf Moor is at its best when, when, they, when Burnley are an underdog. And uh, yeah, they they really sort of you know if you kick kick one person in the town, you kick everyone, and uh, they, everyone sort of steals themselves for occasions like that. And I uh, think yeah, Joey Barton's been tweeting tonight just saying you know just just keep that up that atmosphere. It sort of gives us uh, you know it drives us on sort of thing. And uh, yeah, it's. Uh, ally that with the the conditions today and, uh, you know, the, the wind gets in and swirls around that it's it's not a pleasant place for some teams to play in their football at times.
0: No, and uh, NBC over here in the States, they, they have very good coverage um, and they had Arlo White and Graham Lasso up at the top of the stands looking like they were absolutely freezing. I almost felt cold. <laughs> I almost felt cold sat here in Miami watching it in my living room. But, it was, <laughs> but, um, but you know, Chelsea did, you know, it wasn't a case of... Uh, of you know, at the start people questioned, well, would this be the kind of game where, you know, the foreign players of Chelsea they don't like coming to places like Burnley and they don't like playing in really cold weather. But actually, you know, I mean what what impressed me most about that that result and that performance was it wasn't an off day from Chelsea. They were up for it, they were fighting till the end and it was it was pretty much a fair result, right?
1: I think so. I think the first quarter of the game I thought they they were devastating Chelsea, the sort of pace they counter at and uh you know, the way... I've, I've never seen a player move with the ball at pace like Hazard before, in the flesh, certainly. He's, uh, he's a delight to behold, really. But, you know, you factor in the movement of Pedro as well. And, uh, I mean, Costa didn't have a terrific game today, but he's always always a threat. But, uh, I thought they were... That, that first 20-odd sort of 20, 20 minutes or so, I thought they were the, probably the best side I've seen against Burnley all, all season. And, as you say, after after that, I think Burnley, you know, once they got, got to grips with... Uh, with Chelsea, I mean, their organisation, you know, the defensive structure and framework, as the manager likes to call it, it's, uh, you know, they, they are really, if, if you're looking at, you know, a way to set your team out, you know, to defend, you know, textbook uh, defensive structure, Burnley are as good as anything, really, you know, the, the, the way the two banks of four get in, you know, they're nice and compact, narrow and, you uh, yeah, you know, they they put bodies on the line. They make blocks. They make life difficult for teams. And uh, you know they sort of started uh, getting to grips with Chelsea's movement and uh, and pace and power. And they do cause a problem at the other end as well.
0: Yeah, I mean Ashley Barnes had a classic sort of Ashley Barnes games, didn't he? He was he he looks like the kind of centre forward. It's almost a cliche to say about say it about him now to Burnley fans, but. For those who don't follow Burnley that closely, he looks exactly like the kind of centre-forward you wouldn't want to have to mark. Like, he'd be a real pain in the arse, no? Yeah. <laughs> he's,
1: he's, he's just a wrecking ball, isn't he? There's, there's no sort of airs and graces about him. You know, he's quite agricultural, I think. he's uh, He'd be horrible to play against. And you can see, I mean, he's caught Quetta with a with a stray arm today. There's no malice in it. He's just, he's just quite clumsy, isn't he? He's, yeah. he's aggressive. And to keep, uh, I think Sam Volks has been on the bench for the last eight or nine Premier League games now. And I think people sort of uh, in Europe and, and, and beyond have looked at uh, sort of Sam's heroics with Wales in the summer and wondering how on earth is, is, is he being kept out of the side. But uh, I think Barnes is more, he's just more aggressive, he's more nast about him. And uh, they say some Premier League centre-halves in this day and age, you know, uh, they don't quite know what's hit them. They don't have to contend with that type every week. I mean, you look at Costa. He's probably, I don't mean to do him down. He's probably a very, very poor man's Diego Costa in that he's he's horrible <laughs> in a yeah. good way. Yeah. <laughs> and Costa's obviously a bit more refined and he's, you know, he's better technically. You know, he's more pace and uh, you know hence he's worth uh, worth the money he is and he's, he's scored the goals he has. But uh, Ashley Barnes is every bit as important
0: to Burn. It is and it does fit in with what Dyche has said. I remember early on in the season he was he was saying and you'll have heard a lot more from Sean Dyche than I have, obviously sitting in his press conferences every every week. But he, he did say something early on in the season about we've got to find a way to pose different questions of teams that they're not used to, make it uncomfortable and awkward for them, especially I guess away from home. But in general that kind of Ashley Barnes thing and then the use of the direct ball, which you know, some managers like Karanka have and, and and even Conte hinting it a, a little bit today, you hear them saying, you know, against this long ball, as though sometimes you get the feeling they think it's there's something like immoral or unethical about about hitting it long. I mean, but it, it does seem to be part of Dash's philosophy to just be awkward as well, doesn't it?
1: I think so. I think he's, he, he's sort of he, he maintains the fact that if he if if he went toe to toe with uh, with you know these these top sides and played a. Um, I mean Chelsea play a different system to the rest of them but predominantly you know the top sides play like a 4231. If he did likewise and tried to pass teams off the pitch it just isn't going to happen. So I I've, I've 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 always been critical in the past. I mean I'm quite um quite a purist as well. I like to see football played on the floor. I like mm. to see you know intelligent football little triangles and and give them goals and it's uh you know, at times it, it, it can be quite, uh, quite, quite ugly, really. But it's, uh, it's not, it's not percentage stuff like you know that some some managers have have used at all costs in the past. You know, and just literally just. Hitting areas of the pitch, it, it, you know, it's, it's not John Beck's
0: it's, it's long... the old John Beck no, style. It's, it's, no,
1: it's it's exactly, it's, it's a long ball with purpose, and they can play. They, they footballed Leicester off the pitch the other week. Yeah, you know, the, and I know they're having a bad time of it. But you know, the champions of England, they're capable of hurting you. It, 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 the manager constantly goes on about his football in nirvana is to play like Ferguson's Manchester United, where they could kill you, footballing you, they could kill you out wide, could kill you from set plays. You know, it, you know, Beckham pinging a 50 60 sixty-yard ball you know, to, to Van Nistelrooy. Right? There's, there's no nothing wrong with it. it I mean, Stan Turner used to laugh. One of his stock phrases when uh, when Stan was accused of being uh, you know being direct, and he'd just say, you know, if, if Frank Berth played a pass, you know, like that, it's it's a beautiful long long pass. You know, when when we play, it's a long ball. It's that sort of uh, differential, isn't it?
0: Yeah. To be fair, it was Peter Swan hitting them, wasn't it, understand? But it was, it was, uh, it was uh, you know, you're absolutely right. There's nothing wrong with mixing it up at all. And at one point, the, the NBC and their excellent coverage, which I'm, I'm hesitant to criticise, but one point they didn't really highlight, and I don't know whether Sky did in the UK or not, was the fact that Burnley were playing today without three of their starting regular starting central midfielders. I mean, for most of the season, Marnie, Dean Marnie, who's out with a, with a knee injury after an operation this week, um Stephen DeFour, the Belgian international and uh Jeff Hendrick have been the, the Burnley midfield this season and, and they were all out today against the top of the league I mean that makes it even more impressive doesn't it how, how did what did you think of Ashley Westwood's debut
1: well he was he was sort of uh, he's quietly efficient isn't he I think that's what we sort of we've got to expect from uh, from Westwood you know is it. He, I think without even seeing him play, if you, you, he, he's come through the Crew Academy. You know, and you look at his, his, his stature. He's not, you know, he's not a giant of a lad. So you're expecting him, having come through Crew, to be nice and efficient. You know, maintain possession and you know, and, and move it with a bit of zip when when he gets a chance. And he he, he did that today. There was one little scare when uh, he gave a really you know sort of slack pass away in oh, his yeah, own yeah. half and. Had, yeah, Hazard broke away and he had to he had to take one for the team and get a booking. But uh, overall, you're know, quite quite impressed with the way he slotted him. As you, as you say, there's uh, you know Burnley's two previous record signings missing. You know there's there's 17 and a half million pounds worth of footballer there that Burnley were missing, which is inconceivable. <laughs> you know, the, Burn, Burn, Burnley Burnley going into a game without 17 and a half million pounds worth of footballer. And drawing one apiece with Chelsea, it's ridiculous. <laughs>
0: it, it is, it is. It is hard to take in sometimes. And, and 13, £13 million player taken off in the second half, scored obviously a fantastic free kick, one of the best goals we'll see this season from Burnley. But um, a little bit off the pace, struggled a little bit, didn't he, in his first game, I thought.
1: We spoke to him afterwards and he was quite... Uh... He, he's not embarrassed, probably too strong a word, but he was sort of very, you know, he's holding his hand up and saying, "Do you know what? I wasn't great at all today. Yeah. I think the goals, the goals, dug me out of uh, out, out, out a bit." But uh, I think you know the rest of the lads will accept. You know, he can he can play like that every week if he's, if, if he's uh, as deadly as that with a, a set play every week.
0: Yeah, yeah. And Michael Keane, I guess after keeping the Chelsea attack as quiet as he did today, I mean, Heaton didn't really have too much to do. The, his valuation in a game like that, that's the game that scouts are watching, no. that's the game where people wondering, is he a, a top six player? You know, If he does move on from Burnley in the future, it, you would think you know, it's that kind of game that's going to show whether or not he's capable of playing for a, a, a City or a Tottenham or, or one of those clubs. I mean, he, he seemed to pass that test yet again.
1: I think so. I said earlier is De- Diego Costa was 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 relatively quiet, I think uh, Michael Keane was a you know a big part in that. I, I thought he started. Uh, if, if you look at Keane, I must say I, the, my stock phrase for Michael Keane. I think he's a Rolls Royce of a footballer. I think he just he's just effortlessly smooth. You know the way he, he eats up the pitch, but he's quite elegant. And in, in you know the way the way he, the way he runs, the way he passes the football, and he's a nice he's you know he's a nice lad, but. I looked at him from the off today. I thought it was really aggressive, more so than I've probably ever seen him today. Yeah. And if you add that, yeah. If you add that in with, uh, you know, with the rest of his capabilities, you know, his, his ball playing uh, qualities, he's. And I think in a, you know, with all due respect to Burnley, in a, in a in a better side with a manager that's sort of you know, less concerned with the framework defensively and you know, sort of saying you know drive drive with the ball like he's. Uh, his hero and his mentor Rio Ferdinand, and yeah. it, I, I think he could sort of become that type that'll get on the ball and make things happen. You know, start you know starting moves off from uh, from centre half that way. But Sean Dyche's made him into a proper old school defender on top of his you know his ball playing qualities and his, his you know his composure. And I, I really think I, I well, it was interesting. I, I, I was a, Gary Cahill, 10, 10, 11 years ago at Burnley. Mm. We, we watched a 19-year-old ni- Gary Cahill and all thought he's an England international of the future. I think, I mean, Keane's sort of three, four years on from that in his uh, in his development with, with Burnley, but uh, he's absolutely, positively an England international and I think he's uh, he's going to play for a top 60. I, I wouldn't settle for an Everton or something like that when, no, when no. The, the, time, the, the time comes for him to be. I think, there's been a bit of a bit of noise about Chelsea, Manchester City, even. I think he's that good.
0: Yeah, I mean, you look at him and you think, you know, when people talk about the valuation and the kind of money that Leicester City were supposedly offering. Um Last summer, I don't know how much truth, truth there was in that, Chris, but Leicester seemed to be sniffing after him, didn't they? And, and Burnley were yeah,
1: 15, were... yeah, 15 million, which if you look at it, it's an, it's an absolute insult, isn't it, in the, in the scheme of things?
0: I mean, is he, is, is he, <laughs> is he not a John Stone-level player? I mean, if Manchester City were to try and sign him to, to either replace Stones or play alongside him, I mean, are they not looking at a similar fee? I mean, it could, you know, it could get to that level, couldn't it, with him?
1: Well, I've you, you sort of loathe to compare fees nowadays because they are just that's like Mourinho said in the summer. you, you either get in the market or you don't. The prices there's no sort of uh, rhyme or reason to the to the prices. And uh, you know, when when people like Hogan, who's had half a decent season in the championships, going for a deal sort of in the region of twelve million pounds to Aston mm. Villa, he's, what what you know what world are we in? But he's he's got to be up there with, with Stones for me, but. Problem is in the summer he's only got a year left on his contract, and uh, it's it's one of those where Burnley are going to have to cash in. That you know, at, at the same time clubs are going to, you know, he, I, I can't see him sitting on his deal for a year, but I can't see him signing one. I think he'll go in the summer, and I think it'll be it'll take upwards of upwards of twenty, I think, to persuade Ber- anyone at Burnley to let let him go.
0: You would think so, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. And- oh, absolutely. And it looks as though, you know, James Tarkovsky, who who gets these little run-outs with ten minutes to go to shore things up in midfield, it looks as though he's been sort of brought in with that in mind, hasn't it, Almost a, you know, grooming him to to come in and and replace Keane when we reluctantly have to have to let him go. Is is he is he up to it? You think?
1: I think, yeah, I think every every very much so. He's. Uh, very like-for-like is like. his uh, great feet you know composure the same sort of build you know maybe not as quick but uh, you know if anything but you know more aggressive you know defensively you know capable of playing that midfield role as well you know where he's shown his uh, his good feet off but uh, you know for, for three million quid he's, he's had to sort of bide his time you know 12 months or so and i think he's fully aware of the situation that I think the club knew that Keane was going to going to outgrow the club at uh, at some stage, and uh, you know it was going to come to the come to a point where they would, you know, just not be able to hold on to him just due to the calibre of clubs chasing him and the sort of money, w- w- you know, that, that w- we're going to be talking about. But uh, I think, uh, yeah, I think he slots in effortlessly, and it's a case of Burnley finding a a backup centre half, I
0: think. Yeah, yeah. I mean, looking at the big picture for 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 fans around the world who who, who listen to this podcast, who, who maybe aren't Burnley fans necessarily. Looking at Burnley's stature, and you know, we we joke about it amongst Burnley fans about little old Burnley and punching above their weight, and all these cliches that have been used time and time again about Burnley. But pretty much all the pundits, if they didn't have Burnley going down this season, they had them surviving perhaps by the skin of their teeth. At the moment, it looks and you know, touch. Touch wood and don't tempt fate and everything. But at the moment, it looks like Burnley. If they continue this form anyway, should be able to finish in a in a comfortable mid-table position. Um, that's a massive surprise, isn't it? Really. I mean, what's what's been the keys this year to make Burnley a stronger force than last time around?
1: I think there's a, there's a lot to be said for sort of the lessons they've learned. You know, they came off the pitch a couple of seasons ago, many a many a time. You know, sort of saying, you know what, we've played ever so well today, but we've lost. And mm. you know, in a, in a team that you know, nice, nice ball playing centre half at like Jason Shackle, you know, Kieran Trippier, you know, the fabulous delivery from from crosses and diagonal balls, and uh, and Danny Ings, who you know, technically gifted, great, you know, great pressing, you know, quality, quality striker. You know, they've they've lost really good footballers. And replaced them. You know, I think you know Matt Loughton's in a terrific vein of form. He's not as good a footballer as Kieran Trippier, but
0: he's improved you know, a probably, lot this year, hasn't
1: he? He, he yeah. has, he has. But, you know, you'd probably say Andre Andre Gray's a different type to Danny Ings, but he's probably not as good a f- footballer as Danny Ings. But they, they, I think Burnley, the more streetwise, you know, they're capable of grinding it out. They stay in games when they're not playing particularly well or they're under the cosh. And the you know the, the the stock phrase last season when they weren't great, you know. Almost week in week out. To be fair, they find a way to, to get a result, to get a point, to get a win when they're when they, you know, nowhere near bang at it. And uh, when they are bang at it, they're the real force to be con- uh, contended with.
0: Yeah, I mean, Joy Barton come come back into the club after that, that strange spell in, uh, at Rangers, which you know, viewed that from Burnley fans who saw him last year, be absolutely central to that promotion t- team from the Championship. And then hearing that he was a disaster at Rangers. I spoken to Rangers fans who said he was awful. He really was, oh, yeah. you know, terrible. It's not just we saw him. In,
1: yeah, well, we saw him in pre-season, and he he was dropping so deep and taking the ball off the centre halves, and you're thinking that's not that's not how you should deploy Joey Barton. I didn't see an awful lot of his competitive football after that, but uh, if he continued in that sort of vein, um, I mean. He's playing up again, you know, playing playing alongside the likes of Crunshaw, who, who's been a fabulous player, but you know, what, what are his legs like nowadays? Yeah. And in a, in a team that, on the whole, is well, they 27 points behind Celtic. It's uh, so he's playing in a poorer side. You know, we have probably not got the same sort of uh, same sort of framework and uh, and uh, an organisation as Burnley he's playing a different role and he's I don't know they just seem to really dilute his his influence there. I think we've all seen what he he's I've not seen a footballer you know bearing in mind he's only hes only a dot really Joey if you stand if you stand next to Joey Barton he's you know he's, he's, he's tiny you know he's not the you know the biggest biggest guy in terms of his physique even you know fit boy but uh, mm. I've never seen a footballer with such uh, such hunger and desire you know you put him in a challenge and he's uh, he's, a, he's an absolute warrior He <laughs> Yeah, you know, he's, he's he's winning tackles and winning headers. He's absolutely no right to win, and uh, I thought it, he, he gave gave Kante a real test this afternoon. I thought it was fabulous, Joey.
0: Yeah, no, he was he was great again, wasn't he? And, and the, but there's that big question mark over, you know, is he going to be able to f- to finish the season with this gambling ban possible ban on the horizon? What what's what's what do we know about that? How how far away are we from a decision, or is it just in the hands well, we're of the fair? we still
1: FA? waiting. Yeah. We're still waiting on the on, on the date for the actual the actual hearing, and then uh, I mean your guess is as good as mine. I mean it's been suggested to me though how people can reach such conclusions. I don't know that it might be between uh, sort of eight eight to ten games, and if that's the case, it's that's that's the end of the season, isn't it? But mm. uh, if you think you think of his uh, his winner against uh, Southampton the other week, his performance against Leicester, his performance today. I mean, if, if if that's his contribution, it's you know, it's been, been well worth his while coming back for uh, for the you know the remainder of the season. There's sort of caveats within his deal. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I, I don't see them. Sort of, you know, well, they're, they're certainly not going to pay his full his full wage. You wouldn't imagine. Maybe none none non at all if, if it is a you know a, an extensive suspension. But uh, I would not be surprised at all to see him uh, back at Moor next season on a fresh twelve uh, month contract.
0: Yeah, I mean, he doesn't look like, I mean, how old is he? 33, is he? 35 now, Joey. Is, is he really 35? Mm. I mean, he doesn't look it at all, does he? He doesn't feel like a player at the end of his no. career. You know, it no, feels that's like all. He's, yeah, yeah, so, I yeah, know no. you'd love to see him there, wouldn't you again? But if he's, if he's out of that side, presumably, um, you know, um, DeFore's injury isn't a long-term one, is it? So he could, he could no. be back in the picture, and although that might be a bit light, lightweight those two yeah
1: you've Jeff. i mean if jeff you've jeff endrick cool sits out uh, i mean it's you know you know with all due respect his his suspension could have been a hell of a lot worse you know he's three three match bam but he misses a game that's you know a free swing against chelsea an fa cup tie against lincoln that he probably wouldn't have started anyway yeah and uh the, you know the one the one big miss is uh the trip to hull city that uh that he'll sit out, but uh, other than that, he comes he, he comes straight back into the side as well. I, th- I think you'll see Hendrick and, and Westwood there, and uh, yeah, again, it's it's, but it's it's trying to work a way to get uh, De into that side, then, because he's been filling this sort of narrow road role on the left-hand side. But you know, I think Brady's going to be the long-term uh, long-term left-side midfielder. I think, and him, you know. DeVore and Scott Arfield are going to have their work cuts out to get back in the side
0: and Goodmanson stuck on the bench having I mean, you know until that little injury he was he was impressing quite a lot as well wasn't he yeah. he was
1: really growing into you know life in the Premier League life at Perth and he, he was uh, really you know he's not again he's probably not the quickest but he's quicker than Boyd he's quicker than Arfield and uh, probably technically better than the pair of them and you know Decent threat from uh, from set plays as well, and I think uh, you know. But for that little, you know, he picked up a second uh, hamstring in the FA Cup start of January, and uh, you know he's fit now. But I think but for that, he'd probably be in the in the side. But I have to say, I mean, George Boyd, he's uh, anyone who watched the game today, his work rate is is beyond belief. You know, I don't I don't I've never seen a footballer like him. You, people talk about Dilap being yeah. the one footballer that they've seen that was better with his hands. And George Boyd is the one footballer I've seen that you know he's better without the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Just the the amount of times he presses and makes these little shuttle runs and he never stops. He's ridiculous, and uh, I think we all expected a bit of a playmaker when when he signed and uh, sort of in the hole and you know in in the pocket there, just picking passes and stuff. But uh, he's I've been. I say I'm not. I've not been a huge fan of him because I like to see what players actually physically do with the ball. But in terms of his work rate, you know, beyond beyond belief.
0: Yeah, I mean when he first came to Burnley, didn't he? I mean he'd been at Hull, but most of us probably remembered him more from his time at Peterborough, where, you know, I think he wore number 10, didn't he? And he, he was he was he played he played behind the strikers. He scored quite a lot. He has got a great YouTube collection doesn't he from his time down there and looked like a sort of flair player with the long hair and everything else and and then he's turned out to be as you say an absolute grafter who finishes top of all these premier league stats on miles covered and yards covered and all the rest of it which you know i'm skeptical about some of those the value of some of those things but you can see it with him Kaya, that he really he really does he does uh you know guess people were doing the Predict your team lineup for the weekend, and I saw quite a few fans had left him out and were playing Goodmanson, and you could see why they'd want to do that. But I just thought there's absolutely no way Dash won't play no. Boyd against Chelsea. You know, it's exactly so sort of. I game thought,
1: yeah, I thought exactly the same. You know, see, I, I think if you're arguing about about you know who's the better technical player, who's, who's better going forward, you know, Goodmanson wins time after time, but. Uh, you know, Boyd, he's absolutely critical to, the, to that. So you keep going back to that word framework. He, he understands his role within the, within the team, and uh, if you're looking at times, I mean, Lauton's getting dragged inside by, uh, by Azard every opportunity. With you know, Chelsea playing the playing essentially the three up front, so you know you've you've Keane and me have got their hands hands full with uh, with Costa, you Pedro coming off the line, and time after time, the matter of time, you know, Boyd Boyd just shuttling over to, to shut down Alonso. And if you think back at the game, you know, I, I remember so many times Alonso having time and space to then be instantly shut down and Alonso's sort of role in the game was, was non-existent. Mm. He completely snuff, snuffed out.
0: Chelsea impress you then. Um, but let's just, just finish off this chat, Chris, by you know, one, of the, one of the nice things about your job is as well as getting to, to follow Burnley all over the country, you're obviously getting to see close up and, and analyse the teams that they play against. Apart from Chelsea, who look like champions alike, don't they? Who who's impressed you? Who surprised you this year in the Premier League from the other teams?
1: It's it's a it's a really tough one, you know. I think we've uh, from a Burnley perspective, you're always sort of looking at these, you know, the, you know the, these the, you know, two and a half seasons now in the Premier League, and you, you come off a game, and if you've been absolutely taken to the cleaners, you sort of hold your hands up and say, well, yeah, these these clubs, these teams are better than us. And it's not happened many times. You look at the both Arsenal games this season, where Arsenal have you know scored a hugely controversial injury time winner, and mm. not been fantastic in, on either occasion. Liverpool still wouldn't have scored if they were playing now at, at, at Turf Moor. Right. Uh, City, you know, again, you know, scratched out two two one wins against Burnley and weren't fantastic. I think the best side other than Chelsea that's been to Turf were Everton, strangely enough. But yeah, that really was a against the run of play, smash and grab job over, over them. thought they were hugely impressive. And that was sort of just at the start of that little dip, that little uh, poor run of form they had. And they seem to have arrested that again now. Oh, Southampton were decent at uh, at St Mary's, but mm. uh, ag- again they were they were you know very ordinary at, at, uh, at Turf Moor and uh, take Van Dijk out of the equation, you know the the, the you know Fonte's left as well, you know so that that big aspect of them being hugely well organised sort of fades away then. It's a, yeah, it's a it's a really tough one that I, I would say I'll probably say Everton aside from Chelsea, which it sounds preposterous really, but uh, based on what we've seen, yeah, that's have
0: to go with that. Yeah, I think you know they've, they've certainly been the the pleasant surprise of this season, haven't they? Everton overall, some of the some of the performances they've put in, I and mean, then seems to have really got some sort of let's use that word again, framework in place. You know, to, <laughs> to get them get them playing, whether or not he, he knows exactly which personnel he's got. They, they certainly seem to have a structure and style about them, and, it, and it's working. And, it, and it's good good to see. It's a hell of a moment in Northwest football, really, isn't it? With with. I mean Burnley are in there as the sort of team from the north west, but the other four, there's just so many stories and so much potential there, isn't there? With the two Manchester clubs with Mourinho and Guardiola, Klopp at Liverpool, Kerman at Everton, I mean it's it's an incredible time just to be following football in the North West.
1: I think I was, yeah, I mean I think when when I was growing up you're probably a bit a tad, a tad older than me, I think, eh? Hey? <laughs>
0: I think I am, Chris. Yeah,
1: a few years. Yeah, yeah. But from uh, when I was a kid, I mean, it's, it's always been you know it was Liverpool, Everton, and then you know sort of Arsenal had a brief flicker, and then it's been Manchester United, and you know now now sort of City are on the scene, and uh, you know I hugely enjoy seeing up seeing City up there. I think they're a, they're a terrific club, and uh, I like the way that. Uh, you know the the money's been spent there and it's gone into sort of the infrastructure of the you know the area where where, you know, where, where they are not not just into the club. You know they seem to have really sort of done a lot to up- upgrade that to, that area of Manchester. You know United. I, th- I think I mean it's popular to hate Manchester United, is not it? But I, I quite like having a, a powerful Manchester United team. I quite you know I want to see a powerful Liverpool team at the same time, and I want to see them going sort of. Uh, you know, bang at it at the top of the Premier League with, with City as well, and I say Everton. It will be, there is a romance to that. I think we a lot of Burnley fans sort of followed Everton mid eighties when Trevor Stephen went there, and right, uh, yeah. had a bit, bit, bit of affection for uh, for them. Seeing seeing Trevor starring that, you know, they were well, they'd have won the European Cup, wouldn't they? Let's mm. have it right. In that, in, in, you know, but for the uh, the Heisel ban, I think they'd have gone out and won that the year after.
0: Yeah, they were a fantastic team, Yeah, a lot of Burnley fans did follow them then, you're right, I was one of them, I went over there a few times, I saw, I saw them play, I can't remember which Dutch team it was, I think it was uh, Alkmaar when Andy Gray scored two diving headers at the post. <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah. I remember that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, fantastic stuff, so yeah, good times in North West football, final question then about about Burnley, they should survive this year, it's too early though to start talking about being established in the Premier League, but... Do you get a feeling around the club in general, not necessarily just the players, but just the staff and the people that you meet in your job? Do you get the feeling that that people have come to terms with the Premier League now? They feel feel like they belong there.
1: Yeah, I do. I, I think there's, you know, it, it's it's taken a, a a huge growth, sort of on and off the pitch. You look at the way the infrastructure is now. You know, the, this ten point. Uh, 10, what £10.5 10 million pound training ground that's going to be absolutely state-of-the-art magnificent uh, set-up there at Gawthorpe uh, you know Turf Moor you look at you know they, they've, they've had all the hard wiring that's required now by the TV companies you know the the, the, you know, the stadium could do with a bit of, bit of love and a bit of a lick of, lick of paint here and there and uh, you know the, the, the two older stands the Bob Lord stand the cricket field you know maybe in time could do with being renovated but as it stands it's, you know, it's a People enjoy coming to Turf Moor. Reporters, you know, the national media, you know, not just for the welcome, but just it's, it's a good old-fashioned football ground. But uh, no, the, you, you just sense at the club that they, they, they're only moving in one direction now. That you know, they, they, they're getting, you know, they, they're just going forward. They're going to continue to add, you know, good quality players if they can stay in the Premier League, get that, you know, that, that the money again, build again. You know, say so we'll probably lose Michael Keane in the summer but uh, I, I, I really think that they're on the up you, you've only got to be careful I, I, I just look at uh, I look at West Brom and I look at Stoke and uh, you know even Swansea that almost plateaued you know they sort of hovered around sort of mid-table you know up, up, to, up to lower mid-table and uh, you wonder how much further you can go because I, I think that top 6-7 is just is impenetrable really I, I think uh and, and, and fans almost get bored with the whole. Oh, we're finishing. Are we going to finish 12th or 13th this season? Sort of thing. They Quite enjoy a relegation battle, bizarrely, every now and again. And uh, even even more so when they're a championship, knowing going into a game that you've probably got a fair chance of winning this week. Whereas in the Premier League, some weeks you can almost chalk it off. And uh, it's uh, it's a fine balancing act to be had, I think.
0: Yeah, I think Burnley have a while to go yet before people get being bored of being mid-table in the Premier League as no, I think <laughs> I know exactly what you mean. It's, be, it's kind of be careful what you wish for, isn't it? But you look at someone like exactly you look at Everton, who are fighting to be part of that top six. And if a club of Everton's size and resources, and even Tottenham have only probably you know the fact if people talk about a big six, Tottenham will be the six in terms of like their spending power and everything. And and Tottenham are you know a great club that's been well established in the in the top flight, and yet. Only now can sort of comfortably consider themselves to be amongst the title contenders. So it's, it's a massive, massive leap, isn't it? That from that that bottom oh, it's, mid-table. It's
1: it's almost you you wonder whether there's a case for for that sort of top six or so just going and being part of a European Super League and just you know you you almost can't you know as daft as it sounds on the back of a one apiece piece draw with the leaders, you, you, you can't compete with them financially and I, we've essentially got the European Super League you know in all, in all but name really but uh, I wouldn't yeah. be surprised if they sort of widen that up and you know just have, have a you know a midweek league involving whatever it is sort of twenty four clubs or something like that and have a proper league table and play it, uh, every other midweek. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I think something will change because that group stage up until—I mean, I'm really excited about this week's Champions League games. There's some really good ones: PSG, Barcelona, and Bayern, Arsenal, and everything. It, this is where it gets interesting. But that that early group stage, uh, up, you know, the, in the autumn part of the Champions League, um, just—I I, I struggle to get interested in it. Yeah, so I think, I think they will do something with the Champions League to change it and make it more interesting in, in the autumn part of the season. Chris, thanks ever so much for your time. It's been really interesting talking to you and uh, good luck for the rest of the season covering uh, Burnley as hopefully they, they secure their survival.
1: Fingers crossed. Appreciate it too,
0: Sam. Well, thanks again to Chris Borden of the Burnley Express there. Fascinating discussion with him about Burnley. As I said, a lot more coming up in the coming weeks. We're going to have a bumper preview special looking at the new Major League Soccer season as well. That's coming up soon. To keep in touch with what's going on, do subscribe to all those uh, podcast uh, channels, whether it be iTunes, Google Play Music, uh, whichever ones you listen to. We're on there pretty much on all of them. And to keep up to date as well, follow me on Twitter at SGEvans. Thanks again for joining us and we'll be back soon.